Before we begin this episode, just a trigger warning. The content within this podcast discusses thoughts of suicide, mental health issues, and crisis situations. Help is always available. And if you need to speak with someone today, call Lifeline Australia on 13 11 14. You've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars, dial 2 for streaming stars, dial 3 for TV stars, dial 4 for music stars or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. Hey, it's Bob Morley from ABC's In Limbo. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I am your host, Anita. In today's episode, I spoke with actor Bob Morley, star of ABC's new dramedy In Limbo. Premiering on May 24, In Limbo follows the friendship of Nate, played by Bob, and Charlie, played by Ryan Corr. When Nate dies at just 38, Charlie is forced to face his grief in a way he could never imagined, as the ghost of his dead friend begins haunting him. There are no levitating tables or flying books, but confronting the spectre of loss is the scariest thing Charlie has ever done. The only comfort is the fact that he's facing it with his charming, witty best mate by his side, albeit in apparition form. Bob spoke about how the series shines a light on mental health in Australia, why we should always ask our mates if they're okay, and what life is like in LA. He even shared what he and his wife, actor Eliza Taylor, do in their downtime. And it's pretty hilarious. In Limbo premieres Wednesday 24th of May at 9pm on ABC TV and ABC iview, with all six episodes available to stream on ABC iview from launch. Here's Bob Morley. I have to tell you something, though. Yeah. We have met before Mm -hmm. when we were 18 years old. No. Oh, maybe I'm a little bit older than you. I went to school with Brad Swartz. Brad Bradley. Swartz. He's now yeah, an yeah. architect. I you think he's a year older fr- than me. Yeah, I think you're. I think you yeah. are a year below us. But like, yeah. you guys were friends at school, and I met you yeah. at something, a party, maybe. Probably. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Were you in the Massenden Rangers area? No, 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 no. So I don't know why. What was this? Were you at school? In Sydney or something? Oh, no, you were probably, no, you know what? It must have been out of school because you would have been doing home in a way. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe that's when it was. Anyway, it's okay. You don't have to remember I don't <laughs> It's like uh, my memory is pretty rubbish, especially since becoming a father. It's like I'd forgotten everything else before that. Everything's a bit of a blur. Congratulations. That's so, so cool. How is fatherhood, by the way? It's great. Like it's amazing. It's it's challenging in a lot of a lot of different ways, but it's like the reward and the joy outweigh any of the uh, challenges. But uh, yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, we are here to talk about another project that you have, I guess, birthed. I hate when people say that. <laughs> yeah, let's scrap that. <laughs> yeah. Another project that you've been working on, um, mm-hmm. in limbo. Oh my god. Okay. A couple of mm-hmm. things. Loved it. Oh, I yeah? am not I am not even joking when I say this. I actually think it's like one of the best Australian shows that's come out in a really long time. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watch the screeners and, you know, if I can step outside of my own ego and my own performance, it's definitely one of the most unique shows that I've seen, Australian shows that I've seen in a while and uh, unique in, in its, you know, in all the great ways. Um, challenging and very moving and funny, but, you know, like, yeah, it's hard to judge it when I'm in it. You know, I, I'm, there's voices in my head telling me how terrible I am. So aside from all that, not everyone was wonderful. No, it's so, so wonderful. Oh, I hate that you have voices. So many, I interview so many actors on this <laughs> podcast and in my job and you're all the same. You're all like, oh, I, you know, you, you get that kind of voice in your head where you're like, I just, you know, imposter syndrome, I guess. Yeah, oh, it's not like I just kind of look at my work and go, what could have I done better? And, you know, you know X, Y, Z, a million different things. Um, but, yeah try and stepping away from that and watching a show even not even my shows other shows like you know if i'm watching something and i go hmm how have i done that <laughs> or i'm like well oh, that's a that's a really terrible line how would you, how would you deliver that you know so. as an entertainment journalist you're always watching with an entertainment lens you can't not yeah you are literally, yeah. you can't really enjoy anything. I always say my life's one big spoiler, actually, because you're always constantly seeing everything before everyone else and you're like, you're yeah. watching it as though you're going to critique it. But for anyone who hasn't seen In Limbo yet, can you please pitch In Limbo to us? Wow. Um, well, In Limbo is a, a dramedy, really, a drama comedy about, um, I guess, losing someone who's gone too soon and how you process that and how that affects everyone around. Um, there's lots of laughs, but there's a lot of co uh, complicated complicated issues that come up that they have to grapple with that come along with grief and, and losing someone so close to you. So it's a lot of fun, but it's also very moving. I don't know if that's a good pitch. That is the perfect pitch. As someone who has seen many of the episodes, I felt the same. Like you'd be laughing, particularly at your character, Nate. You're laughing, 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 and then bam, you're yeah. like, you're knocked to the ground and winded by the brutality of what the whole story is actually about. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, because I only worked with Ryan and only interacted with Ryan, who plays Charlie. Um, I was like, oh, well, I'm just a clown and let's have fun and this and the other. And so when I, I knew that there was obviously a lot of hardship going on throughout the show, I know what the show's about. Um, but when, <laughs> thank God. When, uh, yeah, I read the script. Bit of a concern but, if um, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when I watched it, um, yeah, the performances that especially Anna Harvey put in was just quite powerful and Ryan, and it was just so um, heartbreaking in a way. So to watch it, I was just like, Who's this Nate guy? What is he doing? <laughs> you know, but um, I think he's definitely a, a necessary part of the show. <laughs> you know, I think you need to have those lighter moments, especially through such a traumatic um, series of events. Absolutely. What I actually find really funny is the dichotomy between Nate and his death and mm. how funny Nate is. Like yeah. you were in life, Nate was obviously dealing with a whole lot of things to end his life in the way that he did, but yet yeah. he then says comments about the wrath of the dildo wielding it yeah, like yeah. a Harry Potter wand. Like that is hilarious. So it's really interesting, that dichotomy. How did you go about playing that? 
Well, I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that, that there is a dichotomy. I mean, I guess there is a dichotomy in terms of being the, the larrikin and the, the funny guy, but also having, you know, harder and more challenging issues um, that he has to process. Um, so, you know, I think he can be both. Um, it's just that Nate took it upon himself to do it on his own. And he didn't share that with anyone else. I think that he was, um, yeah, struggling with the reality that he, he actually had a mental health condition. So, um, you know, if like it, for me taking that on board, it was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just play all the happy and high and bright bits of, you know, who I am and just kind of discard those other things that maybe that, that require attention. And, um, you know, I think for a major part of Nate's life, that was something that he did or he, he focused on it, but he didn't share it, you know, and, um, you know, when a problem's not shared, it becomes like doubly as hard. So, you know, yeah. And it is something, I guess, uh, I know I took away from it and I know that a lot of people will take away from it is that you just never, ever know what someone's going through. And a lot of the time, people who do suffer from mental health issues, they do hide it with big personalities and big comedic, you know, reliefs. Is that something that I guess you wanted to portray in this character or in this role that you, you know, people aren't always what they seem and that you should be checking in on your mates? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of, yeah, like we've spoken about now, it, it feels true to form, you know, and um, yeah, I, I, I think that especially in this instance, in this show and, and in my experience in Australia, it's a lot of, a lot of guys will turn to humour as opposed to talking about something that is vulnerable or makes you feel discomfort. Um, it's mm. easier to just kind of laugh it off and make a joke or, or whatever it is. So um, it was an important aspect and I think it's one of the, the bigger things in the show. It's like especially for men's mental health, it, there, there's courage and there's strength in being vulnerable and I, I think that's one of the important messages of, of in limbo. So um, I've forgotten your question. <laughs> that's... I was really, I was actually really taken with your answer. To be honest, <laughs> I just said, I just said if if it's if it's something that you kind of thought about, like if this is you know basically the message is checking in on your mates because you never know what they're yeah, going. Yeah, well, I do think that in limbo is it, it's really quite intelligent and articulate the way that Lucas Taylor has gone about this. I think he's found a way to access that avenue of vulnerability through humour. Mm. And to begin that conversation. And yeah, you know, it's, I think it's one way to open the door to start having those more complex, difficult conversations, not only with your mates, but with your partner or any one of your loved ones. You know, it's, um, I think by accessing it through humor takes that edge off a little bit mm. and allows you to then step into somewhere a bit more just, um, uncomfortable. Mm. And we we obviously find that his wife just had no idea in the show. Yeah, I mean, uh -huh. and that's that is just tragic. And his daughter, like, and the way that his daughter yeah. deals with it as well, Bella, like, it's just, it's yeah. such a it's such a clever way of just showing grief in all different forms. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, even Nate's mother and and trying to find answers where they aren't. And you know, and Charlie goes through that as well. And and and. Um, and Freya as well, they kind of go, well, there must have been something else. There must have been this. And I think that's what's quite beautiful about the show is that it, it, it 
depicts that there's no real simple answers, you know, and nothing is, um, what is that, Occam's Razor or whatever it is, or Jacob's Ladder, I can't remember, one of the two. Where, I don't know, even know what the, either of those are, but cool, yeah. Oh, it's just like where the, the, the simple solution is, you know, the right solution. But right. there is nothing like concrete, you know, that they can, like tangible they can hold on and say, because of X, Y happened or, you know, um, it, there's so, mitigate, so many mitigating factors. But the, the one true one is just um, not having, look, the, I don't want to say that Nate didn't have a courage because, to work through his own issues on his own is a really admirable thing. Um, yeah. It was just that next step of being vulnerable and being able to talk to his wife. It wasn't like he was withholding information, that, you know, or lying to her. He just wanted he, he just wanted to be able to cope on his own. And you know, I think that that it's tragic in it, you know, in in so many ways. And I think that. A lot of us are taught to kind of just like, you know, there's this romance, romantic idea of this lone wolf that kind of does their thing and I'm, you know, in my lane. But, you know, when you do open up, you find that so many other people are feeling the same thing. You know, we're all quite similar and we all have problems and it's okay to feel a certain way at certain times. It doesn't mean you're broken. You know, Mm -hmm. we all have those moments. So, yeah, it is quite tragic as it all unfolds. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think what his family and his and his close friends go through in terms of processing it's a. Once again, it's a. There's no exact science to grieving. People do it in so many different ways. So yeah, um, I think the show really highlights that as well. Yeah, like I said, absolutely insanely clever and so wonderful. It's it's such a must watch, and I you know, I really genuinely mean that. But in terms of let's talk about the Charlie character. So Ryan Core, exceptional yep. actor as well. Yeah. And what a great scene, buddy, for you. You guys yeah. seem to have <laughs> the the little smile says it all. I feel like yeah. you guys had a great time. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 funny, like because I'd only met Ryan two weeks before shooting. No um, way. It seemed yeah, like you no. guys were BFFs forever. Yeah, it feels like we are now. My wife actually worked with him, um, Eliza Taylor. She worked with him. He was like 13. And she had said, oh, you and Ryan will get along really well. They're actually quite similar. So They worked together when they were 13? He was 13. Eliza was 11. On what? Wait. Uh, Pirate Islands or something? Maybe. Maybe not Pirate Islands. Maybe No, maybe it was like, I'm going to get this wrong. And she was like, <laughs> Sleepover club? Sleepover. Yeah, I, I think it's the sleepover club because I was thinking saddle club, but it mu- it's sleep- it must be sleep. Yeah, I've, I've, I've mistaken saddle club and sleepover club many times and it's not good. Saddle club was like almost, I think, like was more my vintage or our vintage. I think sleepover club right. was like just a little bit later. Yeah. That's yeah. why. So That's why I go saddle club. Yeah, you know what? That's your excuse now and I'll let you have it. That's such a cool story that that they work together. What a cool full, full circle moment. Yeah. So, like, yeah, when uh, Ryan and I got to know each other and, you know, we had a rehearsal period and, you know, we, um, Bunya had organised for, you know, a therapist to kind of sit down and talk with us as well because of the subject matter. And so, you know, uh, Ryan and I shared part of our own story and, you know, it that's kind of a way to really connect with someone and, and be vulnerable and trust them with things and, you know, I think that we found a trust with each other and I do find him genuinely funny. Um, 
so it was just nice to be in his presence and I think that we both bonded together. We shared a trailer, you know. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, I was all all above board. And uh, yeah. He says so, moving his glasses. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it was. Like I, I'm, if if nothing else, it's, you know, to be to get to know Ryan throughout the process was a real privilege as well. And I, yeah, he's a wonderful human being. So, yeah. And I guess that's the other thing about in limbo is that this story is at its core just about a really, really strong friendship, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah the the tragedy of losing that, and um, you know, and Charlie wanting to hold on to that, and you know, if 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 you know, the story can say anything. It's like, you know, those people that are close to you and mean a lot to you, like they're worth reaching out to, you know, even if you don't see anything, it's, it's, um, yeah, if they're, they're masking it and you don't see it, it's, it's what harm is there in asking if they're okay. You know? And I guess I wanted to touch on, you did mention this already, but I, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, you touch on the fact that you had support, mental health support, even so it's a dramedy, so there's still a lot of lighter mm. moments, but you obviously did need some, you know, s- support in other ways when you're dealing with such heavy content matter. W- mm. What else was available to you? What was around for you? Well, I mean, I've, you know, I've been... I've been on my own mental health journey for a, a long time and really in the last maybe four years I've, I've really focused in on it. Um, so for me, you know, I kind of routine's a really important thing, which is hard to have when you're, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I'm on the other side of the world to my family and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, uh, me and Trent O'Donnell would go rock climbing together um, and kind of do other stuff outside work and, yeah. Um, it was just that kind of stuff, you know, like for me, I know what works for me and sometimes it's video gaming, sometimes it's rock climbing, sometimes it's just eating food. But, um, yeah, in terms of that support, um, you know, I'd reach out to my family obviously and and to Ryan and then get to know the crew as well. So, yeah, it was it was a very um, welcoming environment to be part of. Like, every, you know, the, even the whole crew, had been affected by a mental health condition in their life at some point. So it was a really important story for all of us to tell. So it felt like a really strong unit throughout and, um, you know, one that where you felt comfortable reaching out to other people and seeing what they're up to or, or whatnot, especially, you know, with what with like the subject matter that we were, um, yeah, working with, it, it's important that we're all on the same page and feel able to speak up about, you know, whether a particular scene triggers something for you, then you know let's give let's give space and show respect and be delicate in our approach. So, yeah, there was support all throughout, which was lovely. I'm loving hearing this. I just interviewed somebody else for another show, which was about domestic violence, and they had the exact same thing on their set. And it's how amazing that our film industry are so on the ball when it comes to the mental health and looking after each other. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I I think it's a, you know, even on the other show that I was doing Love Me and having intimacy coordinators and all that stuff, like that's, it's, I think, a step in the right direction um, for our industry and to create a space where people feel supported or 
feel supported in that way where they can step up and say, actually, this this doesn't feel right to me or I'm not feeling okay in this situation. And, you know, there, there were particular scenes that I said, oh, look, I, I don't know whether I can do that. And, um, you know, it was received and said, yep, okay, cool. Then let's let's find a way to work around it or, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's nice to feel that way. Um, and whether that's just becoming older and, and knowing what I feel comfortable in doing and feeling I can step up to it or whether the environment allows that now. Whereas I think when I was younger, I just kind of go, yeah, I can do that. You know, maybe it was part of people pleasing or whatnot, but uh, um, it's hard to say, but it definitely the environment has changed to enable you to feel confident to say, um, to speak up. When you say intimacy coordinator, mm. I always thought an intimacy coordinator was just for sex scenes. But is yeah. that not right or that is right? That is right. I mean, we had a really exceptional one on Love Me who we, we kind of talk about love language and, how, you know, it, would, it was almost like an extension of character. Oh, and so then we'd explore all through that. And, um, and you know, we would talk to her about the parameters in which, you know, how we felt or what shots we wanted to have included or not, you know, and you would work with your other performer and say, okay, yeah, this works for me. I do feel comfortable doing that. And, um, you know, it, it's actually, it's, it's akin, like having a, doing a lovemaking scene is very similar to doing a stunt fight scene. It's very coordinated and, you know, you are checking in and you, it's, it's like a dance. So mm-hmm. um, in that respect, having an intimacy coordinator gives it that validity instead of it just being like, all right, and now you both go in there and, you know, you don't like. You know, if it wasn't an intimacy coordinator, and the two actors hadn't spoken to each other before. There's a lot of grey area where things could boundaries could be crossed. So I think that now having an intimacy coordinator, like a mandatory one on set and a part of the crew, um, is an important part of an important step in our industry. The reason I clarified that was because I actually thought you meant that an intimacy coordinator also looked after like the dynamics between two people on set. So if you've got like a really intimate moment, that's not necessarily sexual in nature. Oh, I'm so confused. No, 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 no. No, I'm just hearing a lot about it lately. I'm just, I love learning. So (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, there were, there's, we definitely had that support. I mean, Ryan and I did when you know we were dealing with the heavier moments and kind of the un- unburdening of his soul stuff like you know where we kind of get to the, the crux of what the show is about and um yeah there's a lot of discussion around it and you know and lucas was part of that conversation too and we w- would work on the script and brian and i would work with each other quite closely um about that and but it is similar to you know it, it, like it is an intimate scene that in that like the sharing of those emotions and and that and so there is it, I was very grateful to have a performer like Ryan there who is so generous with his performance and you know we're both, and you feel in a place where you can trust the other performer and you, you're just in that place together um, yeah especially it's, it's in that lot. shower scene oh yeah <laughs> yeah. you're like oh i'll take my clothes off too (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) of course duh i'll make it more comfortable why not no i totally get it one thing that actually was super 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 special for me that i found out about you i had no idea until i watched this show and then did more research you are half filipino 
Yes. My mum was born in Manila. No way. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, do you know any Tagalog? Uh, okay. <clears throat> no, I, I don't no, know. No, 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 no. I will teach you something. So, okay. Nanay, tatay, lola, lola. Of course, yep. you know. So, the auntie, uncle, uh, grandmother, grandfather, grandfather. The other thing that I know is payong. What's that? Umbrella. Oh, right, right. I know, like, mabaho puet. Oh, hang on. No, I, I've heard this. You like, what is... You know what that is. Mabaho puet is, like, stinky butt. Oh! <laughs> mabaho otut is Otuts. a stinky butt. A stinky butt. Yeah. I actually do yeah. know. You know, like, mahal kita, all that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, important like so ones. many things. They're very important things. Actually, funnily enough, um, because my mum is actually Spanish-born in the Philippines, but we do have, um, I do have a lot of um, Spanish, yes. uh, sorry, Filipino in my ancestry, but um, we spoke three different languages. Or, sorry, my mum and my abuela spoke three different languages. So, Tagalog, yeah. Spanish, and English. So, at any one time, I don't know what was Tagalog and what was Spanish, and I don't know yeah. what was real and what was fake. Well, that was, yeah, and that's the funny thing because my mum, she's from the Philippines, but she's from the yeah. north, so she speaks Ilocano, which I think oh, has a little bit more Portuguese in it. Yes. Yeah. So it is yeah. much more the Portuguese, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's just funny that because my mum, you know, especially like, you know, still I love her, absolutely <laughs> love her, but sometimes has some breaking English, can be funny sometimes, <laughs> but it's funny to me going, oh, my mum's like a polyglot. She knows, like, you know, a bit of Portuguese and Spanish and Tagalog and you go, okay. Exactly. And they, yeah. but they do, they, but also, um, in my experience, our family love to, um, mix words, make up words, um, create things that are not necessarily that other people know. Um, yeah, and yeah. so it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful culture. But the reason I'm actually bringing it up also, cause I just wanted to tell you that it's such, cause it's the best culture to have. Like I loved, being Spanish, Filipino, and Australian, what yeah. a mix. And you must feel the yeah. same having such a, an amazing mix. Yeah, I mean, especially now as I get older and become a father, it's something that I really want to embrace. I think growing up, it necessar wasn't necessarily that, um, you know, not to hang a hat on it, but, you know, growing up in country Victoria and being like the only mixed race gotcha. people out there, yeah, wasn't necessarily the easiest. Um, so I kind of, you know, in a way, whitewashed myself to not, you know, so I didn't want to learn about my culture until I got older. And um, so, yeah, it's something that it, I felt very poorly about, but, you know, I think it was just a means of survival <laughs> as a young kid. Um, and so now as an adult, I definitely want my son to, you know, learn from his Lola and, uh, and me too. Please tell me you eat all of the food. Um, I, adobos, adobos like my, that's my favorite. There are, there have been some like questionable things that have happened. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, have you had uh, balut? Balut. No, have you had no, that? I've, oh, no way. Chicharron, There's no way. <laughs> um, yeah. chicharron and, um, also lechon and yeah. pancit. They, and babinka. They're pancit all I've things. Oh my God. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And yeah. babinka is like, we like I said, like that fusion of it's it's the best. I mean, it's the yeah. I really identify, and I know I don't. I look mestiza, very, very, very um, more Spanish than I do Filipino. But you, you really that is a huge part of my heart and soul. That culture. So I, and, and I'm sad that you whitewashed yourself. I guess in a way to, yeah, to fit yeah. in. 
Yeah, same. It's 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 something that I'm coming to terms with as I get older. Yeah, and, um, yeah. It's not necessarily a nice feeling. Um, I kind of I kind of watched that. No, I kind of I watched that Adam Goods doco, and there was a lot of things that he said in there that resonated with me, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. I guess yeah, you know, in that where he was talking about you know being going into the footy world and, and kind of being in like, you know, the all, all white boy school and all that stuff. And you just go, okay, this is, this is how I fit in is to, you know, um, so yeah, but that's my journey and I'll, I'll figure that out. But yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it's a cool thing to be part of. And it was interesting working with Lena Cruz on the show as well. That's and, why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because she also played my mum in, in Love Me. And, and we were talking about just like the accent. And then, then when I talked about my mum and, and I, there was Albert, I forgot Albert's last name. Um, sorry. But he was, he was, I was like, I'm Filipino too. And he's like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, but I think like I'm like part Ikarut as well. Um, and he was like, oh, that's why you don't necessarily look stereotypically Filipino. But you don't look stereotypically Filipino and you don't look Aussie. Well, I, yeah, it was kind of, I felt really, it was funny when, because Lena and I were shooting in Limbo and I was like, you should play my mom and love me. And she's like, yeah, you know, we were talking about it. And um, it was just a, it's great to be able to bring in the, the Pinoy community as well to get that representation. You know, for me on my own, it's, I yeah I don't know I I feel an, an imposter syndrome because of you know the way that I've grown up about it but to be able to bring in the Pinot and culture um, has been a really lovely experience. I love that, especially when you're grappling with with what you were feeling as a as a child. So that's yeah that must be amazing to be able to to do. But yeah. In- and in terms of the series as a whole, like what do you want people to take away from it? Well, I think what I'm really hoping is that it, like I kind of touched on before, like using comedy to begin that conversation mm. as, a, as an easy open, open, opening of the door to then begin that more tricky, complica- complicated, difficult, let's say, conversations where you feel um, vulnerable. So I hope that it finds an audience that, you know, has a laugh but also thinks deeply about like maybe maybe there is someone in my life that I could reach out to or a loved one or this, that, and the other. It's, it's to begin that conversation. Mm. Um, and, and that's what I'm hoping, you know, it, to raise awareness and to kind of also just make people feel seen and heard people who might watch this and resonate with, you know, um, Freya or Charlie or Nate and to go, okay, like, I don't have to do this alone. You know, I mm. think that's the, the point of speaking out about things that are, are often uh, difficult or, um, you know, what is, what's that word called? <laughs> what are they? Taboo. Taboo. Yeah, that's it. You know, to when you speak about topics in that area and you speak openly about it, it makes others feel that confidence or strength to then be able to talk about what they need to or should feel comfortable talking about it definitely is 
Yeah. Oh, it does totally. Because it, because it, it is, it's one of those conversations. In fact, halfway through, actually after the first episode, um, I've just lost somebody by suicide. Um, I'm so sorry. a couple of weeks ago. Thank you. Um, and it's not the first one. This is a third mm-hmm. person, um, yeah. that I know. And it really opened that conversation. I, I called mum and I was crying and I just said to her, you know, this is, this is really, yeah. it was more, um, and I'm probably going to cut this out, but I'll really quickly tell you, uh, it was more the yeah. coroner, the coroner report thing yeah, yeah. because the, the guy that passed away, they, we had to wait for the coroner to, do a report and that exact yeah. thing happened and I was just like, oh. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of it, it is gonna open that conversation, just so you know. It's it's very yeah. um it's very powerful what you have achieved and what your your crew and the cast have achieved. And as yeah. as people who have gone through that process, it is a it is really something that you guys should be proud yeah. of. And I think it's one I mean, you know, hats off to to Lucas Taylor for to for writing that and you know it, it's one of those horribly pragmatic things that has to take place um mm. really feels really inhumane but it, yeah. yeah and that's but it's a truthful and honest account of what happens mm. you know? so. and also a lot of people just quickly before we kind of move on but a lot of people would be feeling that way and I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know if this is touched on and don't spoil it. A lot of people who do lose someone to to suicide or, or to, you know, a shock death, I guess, mm. they probably will end up talking to them. They will ask them questions. Mm. It's like that element of you actually do have them there by your side and you do want to question, you do want to know. I mean, yeah. obviously this is done in a very, very clever way, but yeah. It almost feels that that that's what people will find solace in being able to have those conversations with those who are no longer here. Well, that's I think one there, yeah, like you said, you find that comfort in it, you know, where you um, still ask ask those those that aren't with us questions, and you and sometimes you can have imaginary conversations with you know someone that you've lost in order to give yourself some comfort. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's it's just another way of coping and, and working your way through grief. That's actually probably a really lovely thing. I do want to know something because I don't think I have ever known this about you. I mean, you have you've had your breakout role on Home and Away and then mm. you've kind of been in and out. Now you're in LA. It's like insane, this career trajectory that you've had. But how on earth did you decide when you were like 18 years old? Is that when you started acting? Well, I know that's when I, I moved from engineering to into drama. So talk me through going from engineering to drama. Um, well, I mean, I didn't want to do either of those things <laughs> growing up. <laughs> I wanted to be a soccer player, but then I broke both my yeah. You broke both your ankles. Well, I broke one, yeah, yeah. So, but then I, I yeah, then I kind of, I was doing engineering at uni and, um, was doing geological engineering and we're out on a field trip one day and uh, we're licking rocks, like literally licking rocks <laughs> to test the pH level in them. And I thought, this isn't what I want to do with my life. Um, cool. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. And so I just kind of like thought back to what did I really enjoy when I was at school? And, um, you know, I, my dad was always like, do what you love and the rest will fall into place. And, um, I really enjoyed doing theater and drama and I was like, okay, well, let's, let's go and do that. And, um, yeah, it wasn't, 
Yeah, I, I kind of went there to do writing more so and then started performing. Um, wow. And yeah, like it, it was a it was a big shift at school. I wasn't really that great at English and, and, and you know, I wouldn't get the – I was better at maths and science than I was at kind of art. Yeah, well, I mean, you did grow up licking rocks um, as a yeah. geological yeah. engineer. Um, but, no, I get that because you're a lot more logical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I took the, I jumped into it, and I and I really enjoyed it, and I think that there was something cathartic about it um, for me, and and yeah, it's it, like mate, like every job that I finish, I'm like, oh, well, I'm back. I feel like I'm back at square one, and mm. um, yeah, it goes like one week, two weeks without work or whatever it is, and I'm like, I'm going to quit, but I can't, <laughs> you know, um, I love it so much, so yeah, I mean, even though my career is has continued that same mentality of like i don't like i'm not working at the moment so i'm I'm not worth much am i you know <laughs> there's this kind of i know it's horrible but i think i i always feel like i'm back at square one when i've finished a job and I'm like okay well what next yeah. i get it i mean because yeah. you, you have your identity in something for so long yeah and i think maybe now especially becoming a father um has shifted that a bit where i'm like okay I am a dad. You're a dad, yeah. yeah. A husband and a dad yep. mm, and a son yeah, yep. and a fully formed there's, human. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's, there's so much more going on right now. I don't need a job. <laughs> I, can, I mean, I it would be nice. Just existing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just the bloody curse of being an actor, really. But um, I wouldn't have it any other way because I do enjoy it. I'm sweating now. That's good. No, you're making me nervous now. No, no, no. It's um, it, but you've been working so solidly, and and what I would would love to point out is, you know, I want to know how different your life has been since choosing to be a dramatic actor, and not, you know, and having to not play soccer and not being an engineer. Like, how different is your life now from that decision? Well, I think one thing, and this is a hot tip for anyone that. You know, any, any young actor out there. One thing that I don't tell you when you become an actor, and even if you happen to work and, you know, be successful or, um, you know, be lucky enough to be successful, um, the banks won't give you money because your contracts aren't long enough. So there's that. Your contract. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I've just got how to react to that. <laughs> So the banks, yeah, good tip. Uh, Writing this yeah, down, the banks tip. won't give you yeah, money. Yeah. Look, they, you, you've got to have a contract that's at least 12 months to get a loan, guys. <laughs> and acting gigs, you know, they're rare as hen's teeth at 12 months. <laughs> um, but, I mean, my life's changed a hell of a lot, but, yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I can't really speak to that because it's, it's, yeah, for the last 20 years, it's, that's what I've been doing, you know. Mm. So, um, yeah. You I must mean, feel like you've changed as a person. Like, you, you know. Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh. yeah. I've I've experienced a lot of things that I think others haven't had the chance to, and um, you know, like you know, being in the public eye, and then kind of, especially, I mean, especially with the, the rise of social media and everything like that, and it's it just, it's a lot to take on, and it's very easy to be sucked into that world, and. I'm glad now that I, I'm at a place where I, you know, stepped away from Twitter and, you know, rarely go on Instagram and you don't really feel that need of that. Validation. Yeah. 
now. Yeah. So, but it, it was a an interesting time to go from when Twitter was fun to where it's like a, a nasty place in the public eye and just go, oh, let's walk away from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> to me, my job is just that. Like, I love performing. Um, you know, I, I, it, it is a job in that regard. It doesn't necessarily make me any better or any worse than anyone else. It's just something that I love doing and I'm really lucky to do it. So, um, you know, when I get asked to take a photo with someone or someone really likes the work that I've done um, or, you know, like I meet fans at conventions and stuff, I, I really see it as an opportunity to, you know, make them happy. Like it's something that they're a big fan of, you know, work that I've done and like it, it it's quite easy for me to ask them how they're doing and then take a photo, you know, it's not a hassle because it's one of the best things you can do is kind of make somebody else happy. So, yeah. It must be so weird though, like having a conversation with someone or not even having a conversation. They go, hi, can I get a picture? Like I can't even imagine that happening. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's all. Yeah. can't imagine that happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it can be a little odd at times, but you know, like I think you, some that may sometimes people that's all they want. They don't even want to know or ask you or anything, and they're like, "Yeah, that's all I want," and they they bust out, and that's fine. You know, yeah, all right, cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's odd, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of I have my friendship group, and I have my things that I do, and so it's not. I don't necessarily go out in public that much, and I mean, not that I not that I would get mobbed or anything like that. It's just that I'm actually just I'm a bit of a homebody, and like I'm playing Hogwarts Legacy with my wife right now. Our wizard is what we imagine our son will look like. What house are you in? We ended up being in Ravenclaw. Oh, no, that checks out actually. No, but this is this is our combined. Oh. <laughs> I've done the test. I'm a Gryffindor. So. Oh, obviously. No. So, uh, but you, you do strike me as a little bit of a Ravenclaw. Look, to be honest, I have no idea. I'm just trying you don't to. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I love Harry Potter. I grew up on the books, but, like, I wouldn't know what house I was in. I probably, I mean, look, to be honest, no, I'd probably be Gryffindor. I'm a confident thing. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I just know that I did that bloody 300 question quiz once and came out as a Gryffindor. Um, well. Yeah. All that aside, um, what was I saying? I don't get mobbed when I go outside. It's just that, you know, whatever. I can't remember. Playing Hogwarts Legacy. No, that was very interesting. I loved it. It was actually such a good tidbit. I'm definitely going to take that and run with it. This has been so wonderful. I'm actually yeah, so thanks. glad we got to chat, honestly. Yeah. It was nice. Oh, oh, I'm so glad you say that. He says that with such shock. No. no I mean, I don't know. I've never. I don't know. <laughs> it's late here, guys. Yeah. What time is it? No, it's not that late. Eight, it's eight, 10 past eight, but oh, I got to bed you. at nine. Oh, thank you. Oh, mate, I'm with old. you. It's kind of like. And That's I don't even necessity. have a one-year-old, so and I go to bed <laughs> right. at eight. So I don't know what my excuse is, but thank you so much. This has just been such a treat, honestly. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. 
You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast. Mm-hmm.